Welcome, brothers and sisters. This is Common and Uncommon with your host, Julio, where we take on a variety of different topics and talk about the popular and unpopular perspective on said topic, from community to national and international. Our goal is not to push one or the other perspective, but to explore both points of view and just engage in fun but thought-provoking conversations. Once again, welcome. Hey fam, welcome back to another episode of Common and Uncommon. In this episode, we'll be talking about some misconceptions when it comes to the First People Nations and uh, debunking them. So I'd like to start off with uh, with population size. I think starting here would be a good, um, good way to make it easier to understand that although similar in, in some ways, uh, they, they, there was also a variety of, of complex and different ways of viewing the world, uh, you know, nation to nation. So for a long time, you know, it, it was thought that there wasn't many people living on this continent um, at, at the time of the arrival of the Europeans, right? Um, and I can see why they thought this, uh, because at, at that time, Europe and the rest of the world had already been trading with each other for many years. So they were already familiar with each other. And most of the nations eastward of Europe had been explored. At least that's what they thought. Um you know, they, they, they believe they had knowledge of all nations on Earth. But of course, with time, this would prove them wrong. Um, when Europe first came in contact with the North American continent, um, they encountered a small group of inhabitants of the land. But obviously, this was merely a very small set of nations they came across. Uh, the Europeans would send letters back to Europe, stating they had discovered new land with a small population. And this, in turn, would result in further funding for more expeditions to North America. Uh, now, I say discover in parentheses because, you know, like, how are you going to discover something that had already been inhabited for not hundreds, but thousands of years? It has been estimated that there was 60 million people living here, with recent studies actually showing it could have been closer to even 100 million from North to South America, while in Europe there was about 70 million at that time. Now, with the pilgrims and conquistadors, Um, When they met the first tribes and nations, they were only witnessing a small fraction of the total population. And due to the size of North and South America compared to the size of Europe, um, the key difference being of how the population and nations of the continents were spread out and was such a big landmass as the Americas, it's easy to understand how it was home to millions. And this, uh, this brings me to my next point, actually, which is that the indigenous were mostly just a bunch of nomad tribes running around, going to war with each other, you know, constantly with uh, with no stability. And this couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, since there was millions of people and hundreds of nations and tribes, the size of each varied. So depending on the size, it, it makes sense that, you know, some had more structure and um, than you know than others when it came when it came down to uh, governance i mean we're talking about a civilization that thrived only about you know 20,000 plus years right uh without the help of other nations around the rest of the world you know i'm being sarcastic there <laughs> but anyways if if the stereotype of the natives being constantly at war and having no advancement or progress in any way it would have been really difficult for the population of hundreds of nations to come to fruition 
Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, if there's one thing that debunks this misconception or stereotype, it's simply the enormous and vast system of commerce that was being practiced on a daily basis for thousands of years prior to the European arrival. You know, with, with recent findings in archaeology, they have found certain artifacts that were not native to the area that, you know, they were found in. For example, there are areas that have lots of wood and timber that the local natives would cut down and bring it to one of out of the multiple trading posts there was and trade it with someone that had something the other didn't, like maybe certain foods or resources that could only be found in certain parts of the continent. You know, in the southwest, natives would claim ownership of certain floodplains, you know, marking and enforcing land boundaries to uh, reward stewardship. And in the southeast, clans and tribes, they owned and cultivated trees and orchards for trading them. In the north, natives would mark trees to state important trading routes and also boundaries to, uh, to claim forests for hunting and trading. And then in the Pacific, the natives would use streams to indicate ownership of certain gardens. Um, in an earlier episode, I stated that the natives did not practice individual private property, but more of a, you know, how could I say, like, more of a communal, like, you know, land holding. In a, in a little more detail, it basically meant that not one individual owned the land, but more like the community of the land had all rights to the land, which, which, meant, uh, which meant everyone had an equal responsibility to, to take care of the land for future generations. Um, all the people that worked the land were entitled to the benefits of the work they exercised on that land. Although many native nations were diverse, they all had rules well-established recognizing the ownership claims that allowed families, individuals, and clans to specialize in specific productions for trading. You know, there was, uh, there was literally hundreds of trading routes that connected with each other. I was looking at a couple of maps the other day of these routes, and they stretch from the west coast to the east coast and everything from north to south. It's actually really interesting because not too long ago, Archaeologists had found Mexica, aka Aztec artifacts, in southern Arizona, in an area where a different native clan had lived, leading to uh, leading archaeologists to believe trading was also done between southwestern tribes and Mesoamerican societies. So, as you can see, trading was executed on a large scale. This is this in turn brought many separated out nations together um, to not you know to trade not only commodities but ideas, knowledge, and current state affairs. I know I kind of went off on this one, but you get the point. Now, before I end this episode, I do want to touch on one more misconception, actually two more, and that is that most natives were illiterate or had very little to no understanding in mathematics, science, and forms of art. I could go over the North, Amer uh, the North Native American region on this issue, but since the first uh, misconception point was centered around that region already, I'm going to go south, mainly focusing on the Maya and Mexica, a.k.a. Aztec. Now, for the sake of not confusing you guys, I'll refer to the Mexica by what most people know them by today, uh, which is the Aztecs, uh, but they did not call themselves Aztecs. They referred to themselves as Mexica, but anyways, I'll just say Aztecs for now. Um... But both the both the Aztecs and Maya lived in what is modern-day southern Mexico and northern part day of uh, modern-day Guatemala. So let's start with the concept of zero. Now, the concept of zero was only discovered a handful of times in history, and this is important because zero is used as a placeholder. It makes mathematical calculations more accurate and precise. Um, actually, the ancient Greeks debated to even use it, 
and they ended up deciding not to, and Europe excluded it up to the medieval period. They instead used the Roman numeral system, which was inferior in many ways, really. Um, but we currently use the base 10 system, but the Almecs, Mayans, and Aztecs used a base 20 system to count, which was easier to use and more accurate when it came to mathematical and astronomy calculations. But they also used it for many tasks, like, um, like taxation, measurements of land, the planning and building houses and temples, time and dates, predictions for growing crops. Um, but due to the Spanish destroying many informative documents, it has taken many years and countless you know, efforts to learn and study the very small amount of uh, documents the Spanish did not get their hands on. One big example of proof of how sophisticated but precise and accurate mathematics and astrology was to the Almecs, Maya, and Aztecs is the sun calendar, which was first used by the Maya, then the Aztecs. They're kind of the same. There's just a couple different like adjustments to it, but overall in general they're they're kind of they're basically the same. But anyways, it is known that this calendar system is more accurate than what we are currently using today, which is the Gregorian calendar. And actually this Aztec calendar and Mayan calendar, um, it actually never ends. It, it uh, actually still continues to this day. This calendar was used for so many things, including astrology. They were able to predict um, eclipses and used to uh, plan specific events like weddings, growing crops, going to war or expanding territory and many other things. You know, and one of the things that I do want to mention is the conspiracy theory that there was back then of the world ending in 2012 because they said that uh, that the Aztec calendar ended in 2012. Um, it is completely false, obviously. Um, it, it was misinterpreted from people that didn't understand the calendar. The calendar did not end in 2012. It actually stated that it was a time to transition into a new phase um, and not the end of the world. As I said, it still continues to this day. It's really cool how a native society could create something that would continue to function for many centuries later. I don't think, you know, an illiterate people could come up with something like that, if you ask me. But I digress. There are so many misconceptions I could touch on that I haven't in this episode. And one of my favorites is religion practices and how the Aztecs and many other native nations did not just simply worship the sun or a bunch of random gods. You know, native religion was actually tied in with um, science and astrology, but I'll get into that in a future episode because it does get a little complex, but I find it very interesting. But anyways, I'll end this episode now and and see you guys in the next episode. Um, Thanks for tuning in, fam. Take care and stay learning. Peace.